I feel something weird every time I eat a peanut. I don't even know if my, uh, I don't know if my sound is okay. I don't even know if mine is either. I don't even have the right headphones. We just kind of yeah. hit record and jumped into it. What am I doing here? How's this? Oh, that's much better. Make us sound unprofessional. I know. Get rid of these earbuds. I don't want any any sound leakage into the microphone. That would be uh, below our standards, John. That's right. We must maintain our... Uh, what do they call it? Our, just our professionalism. I guess. I thought there was a word for, like, high-quality metrics or something, or standard, or... Oh, I'm sure there. I'm sure there's many words for that, and I can't think of any. I'm getting older. My vocabulary, my, my vocabulary is kind of odd. Sometimes it's um, on point, and I feel really smart, and other times I'm stuttering like crazy. Yeah. And it I probably depends really on how much sleep you got, how much sleep you've been getting, how much exercise you've gotten, how much whiskey did you have last night, how much did you have this morning. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I could say yes to a lot of those. <clears throat> Although I haven't had whiskey in a while. It's been a couple weeks. So. I just bought a f- few different bottles. Yeah. Actually, I forget what they're calling it. Redemption. Bought a yeah. couple of those. So one of them was the uh, a weeded bourbon, which I think they're just... I mean, no one ever put weeded on the label now. People are starting to, again, because... Mm, it's a thing. But yeah, because, you know, Pappy's is a weeded bourbon. Oh, okay. So now everyone's <laughs> like, oh, we're we're weeded too. And then I, that other one, that other redemption was uh, some kind of bourbon, but it was finished in, it was rum casks. Hmm. Um, I actually like that one. I've tried all of these now. I, try, I like that one better, though, the yeah. rum cask one. It actually has just that kind of fruity rum, sugary rum flavor, and it's hard to describe. No, I get it. Although, had I not known that it was rum cask finished, I'm not sure I would have ever pulled that out and realized it, you know? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just power of uh, suggestion. Yeah, I'm, I'm. I have a love hate relationship. I know I love hate is probably a bad way to saying it, but I'll just say it. It with these buzzwords, you know, like them slapping weeded on it or slapping, um, I don't know, gluten free on, on a product that's obviously gluten free. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the other side of me goes, it must work, and it does. You know, all these cheesy commercials and all these cheesy buzzwords and things. As as cynical as I am about it and how stupid it it is to me. It apparently works. Oh, or they absolutely. Be doing it. Yeah. Yes. So that makes yeah. me sad. Buy for, our. That makes buy, me sad for humankind. <laughs> yeah. Buy our steaks. They're gluten free. <laughs> oh man. Oh. Yeah. Don't get me started on like what's wrong with everyone nowadays. Like why? I mean, why does everyone some have some kind of allergies and everyone's on SSRIs and all these kids are on Ritalin and Vivance and all this stuff? Like what? What did, our, what did our parents do to us, or what, what happened? What, what did we do to our kids? I'm, our parents. I think it's social media. It, it, it allows why, you to... That's why everyone's allergic to peanuts? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. It, it allows you to go, I feel something weird every time I eat a peanut. And the and your allergist who's like, mm, I can make a little money here. Uh, <sighs> yes, you might be sensitive to it. So you should you should do this, and you should do that, and you know... Well, I think, and then, and then everyone started delaying when they would give their babies all these foods. And then I think it just, that was the downward, the, 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 the cycle, the, the self-reinforcing, you know, feedback loop that, yeah. oh, no, well, now they're definitely going to be allergic because you're waiting to introduce all these proteins to your kids. And, and I don't know, 
Well, I do think it's the influx of information. We have access to this information and we're able oh, to kind of absolutely. self-diagnose. Oh my God. It's uh, so one bad. thing I did learn with my son who does have a nut allergy is that half of his nut allergies are related to his grass allergy. And then there's another half that's related to his actual allergy. So actual. things like like uh, pecans and macadamia nuts and those kinds, he has a real allergy to. Okay. But he also has a sensitivity to things like sunflower seeds and um, all those kind of seed-based kind of nuts. Is that because they have like a similar protein signature to, to the grasses? And so the body's like, oh, that looks close enough to grass that I'm going to start possibly throwing yeah. a fit here. Okay. Even my banana allergy I found out was more related to my grass allergy than it was the actual. No. Banana. See, I'm really allergic to grass and um, like unripe bananas. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, what else can do it? Like less ripe avocados. A lot, there's a lot of less ripe things. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the other big one that causes me problems? Um, I forget. But anyway, it's not that big of a deal. Like I'll just maybe get like an itchy mouth or like itchy lips yeah. or something. But yeah. That'll never go into, like, anaphylaxis or anything. Right. <clears throat> well, John, let's see. It's been a few weeks, huh? Uh, yeah, yeah. I think oh. uh, one of us was out, and then we just didn't have anything to talk about. Or maybe yeah. we just didn't have anything to talk about since the last week. Well, last week, week we before. just couldn't make the times work. That, that Nowadays, it's just, it's, it's just timing. It's just so hard to make the time. I think it's a combination of timing, and I wasn't pushing the issue because I didn't have You never do. I always have to ask you, when are we recording, dude? Oh, when because we... your schedule is far more busier than no, mine right not. now. No, it's, it's not. No, it's not. I've seen your backlog. It's bigger than mine. <laughs> you jealous now? <laughs> now we're comparing backlogs? Yeah. That's, so, that's very immature of you, John. <laughs> it's not about the size. It's about the, the uh, quality. It's about the number of story points. <laughs> oh, I'm blushing. <laughs> um well see so since we talked last um dreamforce registration opened and i got the email and jumped in. it was like came in at, at night and i jumped instantly in mm-hmm. to register because we're gonna send a few people and um wanted to get hotel wanted to get hotel rooms that are closer than san francisco airport right um, right so jump in get ready reg- well first of all i noticed that uh, when i was registering I was, you know, I'm, I'm logging in like I do to, you know, how Salesforce and they've just got SSO from hell. Like everything is just SSO, but but it's like S, you know, depending on what site you're logging into, like it'll, it bounces you around like 72 different mm-hmm. authorization, you know, gateways that, that generate store keys and blah, blah, and, you know, and half the time it doesn't work. Um, well, this time I, I try to log in just using my standard, like my, I don't know if it's my called my trailblazer login, but the thing I log, if I can log into trailhead mm-hmm. or any of this other like generic Salesforce stuff, I always use, it's the login from like, I swear it's not the original dev org I ever created, but like one I've just had around forever. And the only reason I still have it is for that identity, that, that identity purpose. And I don't know what people normally use for, what do the people use for their trailblazer login? Can you just create one now that's not attached to a dev org? Or I guess you can. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, the problem is I haven't done this in over 10 years. I, so anyway, I just that I use I use that it. same login for I've used it for I think it's I forget what the username is now it's like Dev One at Jeremy or something I don't know something something dumb <laughs> um, that's used for that's what I use for almost everything mm-hmm. and so I go to log in with that to this you know Dreamforce registration thing it says you know do you want to log in with Salesforce sure I'll, you know whatever and I log in and I can't get it to log in and then but then I started reading more closely and it's like oh you, this is your Salesforce events login and I'm like well. I know I've used the Salesforce events app before. Surely I have a login, but I could not, none of them work. Nothing works. I had to create a new, hmm. new, a new Salesforce events login, I guess. So I, I did that. 
but I'm like flying f- so fast because I'm so, you know, oh, like, yeah. I'm racing here. So I created that. I register and then I go to the hotel page. And uh, first of all, I'm looking for all the hotels we've stayed in. Like, um, what have we liked before? Ho- the Intercontinental and the Mark, uh, the Mark Marriott Marquis. Is that the one that's right so. across there? Yeah. Um, none of those are even on the list. Yeah, I'm sure they're already booked. You think so? Yeah. I mean, I was immediate as soon as it opened. Well, because well, people as, be even before Dreamforce is announced, they will book a hotel in one of those places. Uh, uh, I guess so, but they did. They oh, I see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. But they would it would have been a higher rate, right? Or not? I don't know. It, it's better than being at the airport. <laughs> well, that's true. So the other thing is, um, so I found one. Um, I think it's the I think it's the Park Fifty Five. No one be creepy, by the way, please. Um, and I'm like, well, I know that's just across, um, what's the main street market? It's just across the market, not too far. And it's also right next to, um, what's the beer place we go to? McKellar? McKellar. Yeah. yeah. Uh, unfortunately, it's also like the, it bark, it bumps right up against, um, Tenderloin right yeah. there. Yeah. So yeah, whatever. Um, but I just grabbed it and it's like, and it said room starting at 319. I was like, oh, great. So I picked that one. And then, there, you know, on a subsequent, they probably built this in, this probably like a Salesforce flow or something, you know, or a, what do they call it? Flo, a screen flow, mm-hmm. whatever, where you have like a wizard type of thing. So get to the, get to the page where you actually get to pick your hotel rooms. And I don't know where the starting at 319 came from, because by the time I got to the page where you pick your hotel room, it was starting at 600. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I registered for Dreamforce. I mean, I guess I got in on the early bird special, and it was like fourteen or fifteen hundred dollars just for registration for a three day conference. And yeah. then now I'm like, my hotel bill is like twenty five hundred dollars or something like that. I'm like, well, mm-hmm. that's San Francisco for you. That's Dreamforce. Yeah, it's expensive. <laughs> it's insane. And what percentage of that do you think is all the extra taxes that San Francisco has? I mean, I don't even think. No, those only show up when you go to you know check out, oh, and then you get the. The the, 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 the the hospitality tax, the you're paying for our people's health insurance tax, the homeless support tax, the, you know, you know, the, the COVID tax, you know, just like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, I need to book for, uh, I'm going to go to Apache con. It's in new Orleans this year. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. I'm going to book that. And because I'm a committer, I'm an Apache committer. My registration fee is only a hundred dollars, but I think if you're not, it's like 500. Still, that's cool. Yeah, it's not yeah. Bad. Plus, it's instant. It's uh, on New Orleans, like right where um, I forget what the main street there is. That kind of is the most upstream kind of end of uh, French Quarter. It's like right there, so French Quarter is completely walkable. Mm-hmm. Of course, knowing me, I will walk all the way through the French Quarter to Frenchman Street, where the real music is, and some good food too. But probably just do that one by myself. Yeah. It's in November. That's just a great time of year to be in uh, New Orleans. Don't go in August, by the way. I've made that mistake. <laughs> it's like take four showers a day. Oh, because it's so, <laughs> so it's terrible. Yeah. Oh my gosh, and everything stinks so bad. Because I mean, you know, French Quarter already stinks anyway. But when it's a hundred and five degrees and you know ninety five percent humidity or whatever it is, mm-hmm. oh, everything just wafts up and it's horrible. Um, well, let's see. I just only have a couple talk- topics. I, I grabbed this article a couple weeks ago, I guess, but it's called Soft Deletion Probably Isn't Worth It. Because, you know, we've talked about this before, I'm sure. It's like one of these things. Like, I'm always scared to delete anything. Mm-hmm. I don't like deleting. Um, I tend to avoid it as much as I can. 
Deleting. Yeah. Yeah. So we're talking about, you know, deleting, you know, if you have some kind of system with a database, like, you know, if, um, I don't know if something doesn't exist, like if a company goes out of business or something, like, do you, do you delete? Let's just say Salesforce example, like, would you delete that account record completely? <clears throat> and, or if, you know, users want to delete something like when you implement that delete functionality, do you, do you actually delete the records out of the database or you just, do you mark them? You know, you have some column or something that's like is deleted and you just set it to true. It becomes noise though. It sits in the database and it becomes noise. Yeah, well, yeah, it's, that's that's maybe that one of the downsides, you know, because his argument here is it's his or her. I don't know who this is. Uh, probably isn't worth it. Probably it's not worth it. Um, you know, one thing he says, uh, you know, code, one of the downsides is code leakage. So, you know, if you're going to implement, if you're going to do soft deletion, then like everywhere that does queries it has, has to, to out. Yeah, yeah, and you know, someone's going to forget that at some point. But you know that's the thing. There's there's tools for that, and there's you know if you you know if you have a reasonable app, you probably should have you know some kind of data service that that the application uses, and that's where you implement. I mean, think of like implementing a how Salesforce and all these companies implement multi-tenant services. I mean, every single query, first of all, goes through a very rigorously tested data layer that does those queries, like where tenant ID equals X Y Z. You, yeah. for, you forget to leave that query off and someone's in a lot of trouble. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but in the Salesforce world, if we're going to tie it to that, I think, I think the other thing is, is, is not just your development or even your flow stuff as you, as the implementer is aware of checking for that flag. Um, end users trying to do reporting out of that system would, would have to also be aware of that. And well, that's, that's more why likely you, to cause on that kind of system, you don't you don't allow like direct to the database to the data store reporting. You just don't do that. No, no. What I'm saying is, if 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 we implement a soft delete, and I'm I'm using soft delete at a higher level. Okay, meaning that rather than me as a developer writing a delete command for records, I just flag it as deleted. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But this is custom, so I have a custom field called is deleted. Okay. And I flag it. Mm-hmm. That means anyone who's running a report on that data has to know to filter that out. Oh, you're saying like, a, there's no, you're saying in user land, they yes. create a field. Oh, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Um, it's a whole different beast, I guess, but similar problems. Anyway, um, he talks about how, let's see, losing foreign keys. Uh, with foreign keys, trying to remove a customer without... Removing the invoices first is an, is an error. Right. That's great. But with soft deletion, this goes out the window. A customer may be soft deleted with this delete flag set, but now we're, uh, now we're back to being able to forget to do that. The same thing for invoices. The foreign keys are still valid because the customer record is still there. Mm-hmm. So all these invoices that say customer, you know, have a customer column when, you know, it's like customer ID is XYZ and XYZ is a customer that you soft deleted. Those invoices, all, as far as the database is concerned, Completely valid. Yeah. And that customer, it's all valid. It all still checks out. Then talks about how pruning data is hard and GDPR and I don't know, whatever. But uh, soft deleting, yeah, it, it, it's a lot of work to do it right. And there's a lot of things that can go wrong. But sometimes you need it. I'm scared. I'm not scared to delete. Like, especially with integrations, every time someone, you know, wants delete functionality, I'm just like, uh, I tied... I virtually always talk people out of deleting. Especially because we're talking about deleting across systems. Oh, you want to delete in your 
you know, something from your accounting system that then propagates to your student information system, propagates to your ERP, then it propagates to Salesforce. And we're going to just, someone accidentally deletes a wrong thing in your accounting system. And now all of a sudden it's deleted from everywhere. Mm. Every- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's think through that. It's, Maybe that's not a great a idea. Dangerous thing. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> I mean, as long as you're able to establish a system of truth, then you can somewhat mitigate that and say it's okay to delete downstream. But. You know, it's weird. I mean, it's so, so often nowadays, I don't know if this is just kind of like modern IT or just once people get so much cr- legacy cruft built up, but it's hard to determine what is the system of truth because it it can change. Even for the same data, it can change. Well, let's see. When, um, you know, when a customer is uh, hasn't, you know, as a, when someone's just a lead, or if they're if they become an account, but they but they have it, we don't have a, a you know a one opportunity for them yet. Then Salesforce is totally the system of record. But once they have a closed opportunity, then the accounting system becomes a system of record, and it, there's just all kinds of stuff like that. Yeah, that tells me there's no system of record. No, no, there's really not. I mean, I don't, and I don't think the way we used to think of systems of record twenty years ago, they just don't really exist that much that way anymore. I think we still had the problem. I mean, I can remember back. No, we have systems of intelligence now, John. Oh. And uh, what else we have? Um, I forget. We have so many kinds of systems. (laughs) Anyway, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) We do have a lot of systems. But ever since I've been, since ever since I've started developing integrations, um, it's always been tough to determine system of record for anything. Uh, It's just, it's just never that straightforward. I feel like it used to be, um, but maybe it's not anymore. No, I, I've I've always had issues with, with trying to get someone to agree on what the system oh. record is because you have you have accounts, you have contacts, you have orders, you have all these different things, and there's always some system that's responsible for it, but never never one system in, for the entirety of it. Hell, even some of it's controlled by an access database on someone's computer. I remember what the other one was system of engagement. Oh, that sounds fun. <laughs> That's that's where you uh, track all your um, uh, your weddings. And oh, that's right. If you're a wedding planner, yeah. you have a system of engagements. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just found this tweet from from uh, Sir Benioff. Excited to be at Salesforce Tower with our 65,000 Ohana on our weekly all-hands call. I'm blown away by the demos of our new Slack-first customer 360 platform. You mean, is it Slack-first now? Yes. Uh, a system of engagement, a system of record, and a system of intelligence, and a single source of truth. A single source of truth. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm very cynical about the Slack thing because I feel like it's taken so much attention away from the platform <clears throat> itself. Uh, and, I, and that's because they really have to justify what they spent well, on you, it. You're, <laughs> when you say the platform itself, that yet comes from a very biased place. True. Because it turns out with this company like Salesforce that is more of a holding company than anything else at this point, they have a bunch of systems and there's, there's no, and a bunch of platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, there's really no, I mean, Slack is a platform. Tableau is a platform. MuleSoft is a platform. Salesforce is a platform. Marketing cloud is a platform. Well, everything in this modern world is a platform. There are no it companies or system companies. They're platform companies. Yeah. Even Target apparently is a platform company. Really? <laughs> I mean, that makes sense. Um, a lot of people put their wedding registries. Well, you remember? You remember it was it was probably a decade ago when I'm sorry, did I cut you off? <laughs> yeah, well, that's okay. I'm used Go to ahead. <laughs> it was. I was going to make a dumb joke about systems of uh, and systems of engagement. Can everyone 
puts their wedding registries in on target. So they, you know, oh, yeah, it's just, yeah, yeah. sorry. I told you it wasn't, told you it wasn't worth it. <laughs> no, it was. Let me do a little clap there. Well, that, thanks. Was, that was worth it. That was generous, John. I appreciate it. <laughs> no, I was going to say, as you remember, if it, it might've been only a decade ago or half a decade ago when CIO magazine, I'm just going to say this generically was saying that every company is a software company. And uh, everyone oh, was still say that, yeah. and no, but they're not anymore. Now they're platform companies. Yeah, so that's the evolution of that. Well, every as soon as as soon as it's as soon as it's not the current thing anymore, everyone has to find out what's the new current thing. That's what bugs me about these buzzwords, these current thing things that everyone has to gravitate towards. It's uh, now it's Web three, which is freaking NFTs and tokens. It's like yeah. shut the hell up. Yeah, I was. You're welcome. I almost cursed. <laughs> that's it, this NFT thing is pissing me off to no end. Because it's it's a technology that's that has no purpose. It could have a purpose, but nobody would want it for that purpose. Oh, John, you're just not reading enough Peter Coffey or Vala Afshar or I guess whatever. Not. Whatever. not to mention all these coins and NFTs are crashing like hell, and everyone's losing their money. And those, now, now, those what, what, are you, what are you talking about? What's everyone losing their money on? Oh, there's a ton of coins right now that that have crashed. What coins? Are you talking about shit coins? Yes, I'm talking about S coins, yeah. and I'm talking about uh, NFTs also that have that have the markets have crashed. Yeah, that's all dumb. So, anyways, pop the stack. What are we talking about? Yeah, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I have no idea. Soft deletion systems of engagement. Soft deletion and integrations. <laughs> yeah. System of records. Yeah. So yeah, um, deleting is dangerous. It's hard. Anyway. And that's kind of what bugs me about kind of systems that, that claim that they can just kind of plug in, that they can just talk to each other because it's the nuance of that, the nuance of, of who owns that data and who's responsible for or who, who wins out in a collision in, in terms of synchronizing that information. It, it, it's, um, it's tough. It's not something that's easily just automated. Yeah, it's not. Hey, let's go back to Dreamforce for a second, because the next thing on here is this monkeypox outbreak in San Francisco, and they, they've declared a um, a local emergency now. Mm-hmm. But I saw some of the numbers, and maybe it was this article that I saw it on, or it was a different article. The numbers, even though I say it's it's an epidemic, there's less than 2,000, and I think they're about to get like eight. 80,000 vaccines or something like that. I don't, I don't remember what the numbers were, but... So this was, this was yesterday, um, and there were... More, okay, 260 cases of, had been confirmed in San Francisco, um, and 800,000 vaccine doses for monkeypox would be, be made uh, made available, but that's across the whole country. Yeah. No, I think it tells you in that article that they'll get like 8,000 or 20,000 or something like that of that. Yeah. Of that number. Um, oh, San Francisco said they expect to get 4,000 doses. I mean, who do they give them to? Like, you only get 4,000? How who do you vaccinate? It wouldn't be the purpose. Is the it's not a. I mean, it would be a vaccine to not get it right. So who would? I mean, how do you know? Yeah, I mean, how many people live in San Francisco? How many millions? I mean, you get, yeah, get four thousand doses. What are you going to do with those? I don't know. I just I just wonder if, and not not to diminish anything about the disease itself or anyone who has it, but I just wonder if this is the media blowing it out of proportion. I mean, given that there's only been two hundred confirmed cases and they're calling it an epidemic. Comparative um, to COVID, which had thousands upon thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of, of cases, which across the globe. Yeah, John, the, the media would never I know. blow anything out of proportion. I know. Um, That's yeah. silly of me. It is. Really Cynical is. of me as well. 
um, so this ties into one other thing, which I noticed when I was registering for Dreamforce. Here is a checkbox I had to check and agree to. Ready? This is the health and safety event entry requirement. Mm-hmm. Once defined, I agree to follow Salesforce's health and safety protocols in order to attend Dreamforce. Once defined. Yep. So they can't even tell you what they are. I don't know what they are. They don't know what they are, but I had to agree to them. Do you, do you get your money back? <laughs> I, don't, I, don't think you, I don't think you get your money back from Salesforce on much. <laughs> Actually, I think you can cancel your, within a certain amount of time, you can get your money back on your Well, hopefully they, they list the guidelines before that cutoff. That would be... Um, they, I mean, you think they need, but I'm wondering, like, are they going to start, you know, do I have to get a monkeypox vaccine to get, to go to Dreamforce? <laughs> but I guess if there's only going to be 4,000, then no. Right. Although that's, that's just, they're going to, maybe they'll have a lot more doses by then. This is not until September. So, right. Is it September? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, I mean, this is like the last thing San Francisco needed. Really? One, one more problem. It's the world we live in now. Yeah. Yeah, they're trying to make it safer. They uh, didn't they isn't San Francisco where they they um they recalled their DA. Right? Uh I thought I heard something like that. Yeah, like, and then um I, th- I heard their I was read the other day that their new DA who had fired a bunch of the the ADAs and were replacing them and I don't know. Maybe mm-hmm. they'll uh get some of that crime under control. Yeah. Yeah, San Francisco is a beautiful place, and it it used to be a really great place to go to, even even though it was getting up there expense wise. And I'm talking about a decade or so ago. I mean, that's just, I mean, well, to some degree, it's kind of just supply and demand. I mean, yeah, it, it got expensive because it was a really cool place, yeah. and people like to live there. Yeah, good weather, you know, and a lot of good attributes. Yeah, but now that with with the state of certain things, which I'm trying to be nice about it. Um, makes it less less attractive to to visit like i wouldn't want to take my kids there <clears throat> yeah um i'm gonna do a quick little tech thing just a little, little thing um i feel like i need to i feel like i need to start a uh i don't know maybe i've always done this but like people should really learn the command line like um you know i prefer a i, I think the most useful thing would be like a a posix compliant command line which I think you can get on Windows now with a WSM or what is it called? WSL? WSL? Windows? So no. What is that? You, no. LSM? What does it stand for, Don? What's the, what's the thing where you can run Linux, you know, just kind of natively in Windows, the terminal and everything? Emulator? No. WSL? Windows system for Linux? Oh. Windows oh. subsystem for Linux. Yeah, yeah. WSL. Um, this is just the other day, like... <clears throat> Um, we're, someone was working on a, like some kind of data migration and they ended up with, um, a bunch of HTML mm-hmm. that contained, and we're migrating that to somewhere. I'm not even sure where. Probably like knowledge articles. Or- I think, it, I think that's what it was. Um, but it also contained a bunch of links mm-hmm. and, and like image, Im, Im, you know, image links and things like that. And so the challenge was, well, and, and they didn't, they pointed to just things on the web and, or uh, they were mainly, I think, things hosted in, on S3, but like, we just need to get all those files. And 
So I just, with a one, you know, it's a simple thing. I mean, anyone who's got any Unix chops, like, that's not a big deal. Um, but I just, I, I was able to grep that those HTML files, look for a link pattern, and then just pipe that into wget. Mm-hmm. And in 20 seconds, it downloaded like all those images to my to its directory. That makes you the hero of the day. I mean, it's just, it's one of those things. Like, I mean, I do think there's little things like that all the time. I could, one of my favorite interview questions is like, and this is another thing that's super simple, but let's say you've got someone gives you a you know, giant text file of some sort. Say mm-hmm. it's got data. Let's say it's a CSV file that's way too big to open in Excel. Let's say it's, you know, 10 gig CSV file of something. But you need to quickly find out how many rows are in it. What do you do? Open up my text editor. It won't, it won't work. <laughs> it won't. It'll choke. Yeah. Work WC-L. It's a it's a Unix program that's been around since Methuselah, and it's uh, it's called it stands for word count. But if you do dash L, it's it's it it's becomes line count. count yeah. yeah, and it just will stream through a giant file in almost no time, and then say, "Oh, this many lines." I think you I it's think like, you discount the fact that you're so close to data and to data tools and data manipulation. I used to be up to speed on a lot of that, but I haven't touched data integrations in so long that I've lost half of my knowledge on it just through atrophy yeah well my broader point though is just about how incredibly useful like the unix utilities are and how unix just lets you pipe things all together and come you know super super useful and there's just things you can't do there's just things you can't do unless you have those skills so i always just highly recommend people run the command line it's really useful Yeah. Um, I have a question for you. I'm not sure where I, I why, why, the, why I even put this on our document here. <clears throat> but we're, you know, we're in a, officially in a recession now in the United States. Two consecutive quarters of negative growth. And it's probably fairly bad. It's probably, I'm sure it's worse than what they, they say also. It always is. Just mm-hmm. like inflation's way worse than what they say. So we're in, we're in a recession. Inflation's really, really bad. Um, what are you doing to plan for your finances? How are you, what do you, you? What do people do? What do businesses do? They cut back on spending. I mean, that's what we're doing. <clears throat> you know, our our standard it, of living is that is a li- risk mitigation thing. Um, I, I think for for me myself, I'm kind of overly optimistic that it's temporary and so i'm just cutting back on things that i would normally do or we're a little bit careful about any major purchases um but we're not treating it as if maybe you should make your major purchases now before the prices keep going up i mean we, we could but then you're into the world of perishable uh, non-perishables and they're right? first of all they're not healthy and second of all it's just i don't have a place to put it i mean i do have quite a bit of storage with some of the remodel that we did but i don't have a place to put a mass amount of of, of stuff like that mm. of, of prepping i don't have a prep no prep no world. yeah i just I have you, a prep closet and you were talking about you know um big big purchases i thought maybe you know you know if you're gonna buy like a new car or a something whatever well i mean that's that's been a thought i mean i i i am was or am planning on on purchasing a new vehicle but now's not the time to do it 
But what if, but what if prices are going, if prices on cars are going up 15, 20% a year? Well, I mean, it is what it is. I'm not going to reactionary spend based on yeah. market speculation. I'll, I'll wait until I have an absolute need and I'll do the best I can. That's all I can do. What about money that you have just in like, um, you know, just interest bearing accounts that, you know, pay a percent a year if you're lucky and you're losing 12% a year on that money? I mean, it's just like your any kind of investment. You got to play the long game. If you're if you're actionary now, it is. It... No, no, it's not investment. Let's say you have a hundred grand in a savings account. That, mm-hmm. That's your, you know, that's your whatever the whatever the amount is. You know, fifty grand, hundred grand, twenty grand, whatever. And your this is your emergency family money. Mm-hmm. Okay, savings account. It's getting one percent a year. Okay, but you, so so you're losing easily ten percent a year on that money right now. I mean, gold, Bitcoin. Uh, what was I thinking the other day? Um, oh, I was thinking of something the, the other day. It was like a good edge. Oh, like something like REITs or something. I don't know. Hmm. I guess that's the problem with that is that's that's now in investment land and not um, emergency. Like, you know, like it's, it's real estate so that it could go down. It could go down. You know, you could lose some money. Yeah. And but if emer- you do nothing with it, you're going to lose Ten percent of it every year, right now, as long as this lasts. I mean, what do you do? Pull it all out and stick it in your mattress? But it does the same thing. It's still going to. It's still going it's to lose that money, right? I mean, well, I meant that sufficiently, but I just. I mean, what can you do? There's, there's, there's only so much you can do. I can't. I can't change the value of the dollar. John, I can't affect that change doing anything. I don't have answers. I just have questions. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm supposed to give answers to this. Like, like I'm, if you're a responsible adult, you have an answer to that question. And I'm just like, I don't. I know. I mean, I, it's, it, it, I, I feel like. You, you feel out of control. You feel like you feel like you are out of control. Yeah. I mean, I, I absolutely. I mean, I feel like there's really nothing I can do. I just have to, I have to uh, be mindful, meditate, and just uh, sway in the wind because oh, that's all I can do. Practicing some mindfulness, John? I, I, actually, seriously, I'm thinking about it because. I just, I just think I need to be is, more mindful. Okay, let me ask you: Is yoga the same thing as mindfulness, or is that different? I don't know. To me, mindfulness is just is taking that moment to just uh, to just sense and feel your surroundings. Is is how I feel. Oh, and the watch is a big part of that because it, I used to just kind of skip it, and lately I've kind of been doing the breathing exercises and just kind of taking that moment. It's it's kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I used to kind Mental of break. look down on it, but. I get up from my desk more often and just walk around the house and bug someone. I, uh, I'll take a moment and just do that minute of just breathing, closing my eyes, listening to my surroundings, feeling my, the pulsing that it does on the watch. And, you know, it's, it's not a big thing. It's not like it's life-changing, but it, it's not bad. Yeah, no, I agree. I probably should do that more. Just a, it's a break, you know? Yeah. I, I feel do. like I haven't been, I wasn't taking enough breaks. I was just kind of grinding and I, I i'm either i'm too old to grind or nobody should be grinding and they should be a little bit more mindful well let's um let's do some of these clips i have and then you want to do that and then we'll get to some of your topics yeah i yeah. don't have that much they're not they're not long okay here's the first one uh these are really no no good order how can a company that has been in business for 15 years uh in the last quarter they did billion worth of revenue at a cost of 1.32. 
what kind of company is this? What company are we talking about here, John? Amazon. Hmm. No. Uh, it's not Apple. No, because Apple makes money. Yeah. By the way, did you see Amazon's numbers yesterday? Yeah. They're, they're, on, they're, they're living off of the web it, services. They're living off of AWS. Right yeah. 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 In fact, um, I think if you take inflation out, I don't, I don't think their revenue numbers at Amazon as a whole were, were good. Amazon as a, as a uh, retailer has gotten really bad in terms of, it, it's not the cheapest option anymore, which, which is fine. They've gotten that critical mask, mass, mass, not mask. Mm-hmm. Um, but also the, the amount of scammers, scam resellers on there has, has exploded. And it's just not that safe of a place to shop anymore. Oh, no, that's true. I, like, There's things that I just won't buy from Walmart. Like, I used to buy, like, you know, socks and underwear, all that kind of stuff. It's all um, it's all knockoffs now. Even mm-hmm. my Hanes socks. I got a, bought a new package. <laughs> Get them, the label says Jane's or something on <laughs> no, it. <laughs> no, they, they, they try to copy it, exactly. Yeah. But it's, you know how, like, after you wear up just socks for two years, like, mm-hmm. they they lose a lot of, literally lose a lot of the material. That's what ends up in your lint screen on your dryer right yeah i was like these new socks i just bought feel really light i literally held them up to the same exact you know sock that i bought about a year ago Mm -hmm. and that old sock was still like twice the weight of the brand new sock and then i was like i started looking at the stitching and where the logo was printed and everything just looked all janky and crappy i'm like it's freaking knockoffs well it might not be just knockoffs but a lot of these these uh Companies yeah. like Walmart and Amazon, once they get to a, a big enough size, they can actually get their own SKUs on oh, yeah. products to meet price yeah. points. Yeah, I mean, I mean the, the Walmart and like Levi's thing was was famous mm-hmm. for that. Like the, yeah. the jeans that you bought, the Levi's jeans you bought at Walmart, even if it said the same model number, were not the same jeans. Yeah. But no, uh, to that point, a third thing is is also that some of us, including myself, are starting to go direct to to. So, like, if I want to buy Vans, I went to Vans. Oh. If I want to buy jeans, I'll go to the to the actual place, the actual retail, yeah, then the retailer's actual site. You go to Vans to to buy your, you know, to buy your shoes, and then they show up, on, you know, only for you to find out that they just they just sent that order over to Amazon to fulfill. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. It's a partner. It's a, it's a distribution partnership. No. But, yeah, I've, I've started to go more direct. I, I, I don't want to go to these random sites that I don't know because I think that's risky. And Amazon just isn't as safe or as good of a price point yeah. as it used to be. Yeah. So, um, actually, I'm giving Amazon a taste of their own medicine because I will mm. search for products on Amazon just because it's easier to search. Mm. But once I find a company that I want to buy from, I'll go to that company's website to see to see more about it. Yeah. And don't, not did you mention how, what the, the scam all the reviews are on Amazon? I, I haven't, but I can tell you yeah, about them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just bought a hard drive from amazon i'm probably gonna, i'm probably going to regret this 12 terabyte mm-hmm. first of all it was like 220 bucks can you believe that that's odd and this is ssd or hard no no it's a big old three and a half inch okay. spinning rust but 12 terabytes for a little over 200 dollars. it just blows my mind uh, um, it's probably because there's less demand because most people are trying to buy ssds so the 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 hard disk market is kind of relegated to true backups. Um, yeah, which is kind of what this is. It's yeah. just like for backup purposes. Um, but anyway, I noticed when I bought it, it said it's you know sold by and shipped by some 
you know, hundred percent best deals.com or some bullshit. I I look for that. Cause I, <laughs> anyway, I was like, whatever, um, I ordered it and it shows up, you know, it's just like a bear. It shows up a bear drive wrapped in about one or two layers of the thin bubble wrap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> <laughs> I promise. I'm going to go enter the serial number on Western Digital's site to see what the warranty is. I promise you. It's like, nope, there's no warranty on this drive. This was stolen from a Dell, a Dell 18 wheeler or something, you know, <laughs> Probably. Oh, it probably came God. off of one of those trains in uh, in California. I might have, yeah. Yeah. All right. Oh, so anyway, they were talking about Twitter. But um, no, there's just this, uh, I, I think... Has Twitter I, ever made money? I don't think so. But anyway, I think I think that the screws are going to start getting turned on these on these companies that don't make any money. You know, it's been... It's been, it's been long. It's been going on for over yeah. 20 years now. Yeah. I mean, that's 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 the thing about Twitter is, is it just... There's no... There's no business model. There's, there's no way to monetize it. Mm-hmm. I mean, people aren't, I don't think anybody's going to pay to use Twitter. Which so is they're weird. reliant on advertising. Why but, does Salesforce, or not Salesforce, um, um, why does Facebook make so much money? They because just, of advertisement. Yeah, but why can't Twitter do that? I think they've tried, but I just don't think it, I just don't think it's happening. Well, maybe Twitter doesn't have, to, to Elon's point, maybe they don't have near as many actual valid users as what they say they do. It's possible. It's weird because of just if I think of just like my social circle, friends, family, stuff like that. I mean, hardly anyone. I can't even tell you anyone who uses Twitter, but almost almost all of them are on Facebook. Not all of them, but almost all of them. Yeah. And at least, you know, look at Facebook once a week or something like that. It could be that they just didn't monetize soon enough. I mean, they didn't they weren't able to build that infrastructure soon enough. I mean, Facebook had already had that market. Twitter was just a feed. And I don't think they they got there quick enough. Yeah, could be. All right, on to the next one. Minimal viable product has been. Oh, by the way, apologize for the crappy audio on this. Minimal viable product has been, to my in my opinion, like the death of some good software because people don't pay attention to the. Right. They're like, oh, let's just keep producing scope to the point where we can get this out there and we'll evolve it later. But there's a lot of a lot of scope they cut that actually is important to make it viable in the long run. And then you see that that we feel this now. Right. Because you didn't kind of focus on that. Like, what what are my core tenets I have to nail before I release it? This is why architecture is important. And and the MVP of a build tool really is something that probably takes, I don't know, five engineering years or something Mm. to to get to the what is actually viable. Thoughts from so the podcaster in in me, and I'm sure you is is wanting to call that guy up and tell him to turn off his his audio or put headphones on. He didn't have headphones on. Someone didn't have the dogs in another room. Yeah. Later, he was like, yeah, my wife left. I didn't know she was leaving until now the dog's upset. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and that guy was the guest, too, so. Yeah. Well, still. But besides that, thoughts on what they just said, John? Uh, I, I get it. I think it's a, it's a, it's a disconnect between the, the, how, who's selling the product, you know, who's, who, who has ownership of it and who's trying to deal out the business around the product. And those who are trying to implement proper engineering practices, and they don't always match up because on one end, proper engineering practices Ooh, I mean, 
in terms of scope and cost is much higher than it is, uh, th- much higher than maybe an initial investment can can burden. And so that disconnect is what require is what I think leads to the the whole MVP idea is that we'll just do just the bare minimum with with the bare minimum amount of funding, the bare minimum amount of features just to get it out the door. Um, so I think that's one part of it. And then there's also just the the mindset of you should be embarrassed by your first release. Get the first release out there, get feedback, get reaction, and iterate on top of that. But I think I think that also conflicts with people's perception of the product. They'll see it and go, yeah, it does that, yeah. but, it, but what about this? Yeah. You know the saying about first impressions. Yeah. Yeah. So it's 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 an art, I think, more than anything, to try to balance all of those factors. I just find this interesting because there's there's a lot there's been a lot of uh pushback over the past, you know, I would say a few years now on the idea of MVP and also this idea of uh, who was it that said move move fast and break things? I forget who that was, but um or what company that was. But Might have been there's tested. tons of pushback on that too nowadays. Um but I, I'm curious, when you think of when when you know when someone says MVP, does that conjure in your mind engineering practices? Because you mentioned engineering practices. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, okay. it does include engineering practices because you're going to forego a lot of infrastructure. You're going to forego. So, so the lack of engineering practices is what yes. you okay. Yes. Because, <laughs> okay. it, 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 I mean, I just mean, when you hear MVP, you're, I just hear, you know, no money, no time. Just see what you can cram out in two weeks or a month. And, you know, that's going to lead to, to not easily maintained code. It's not, it's going to lead to sparse UIs that maybe don't meet all, all accessibility standards or anything. It's just, here's, here's the idea in, in prototype form that we're going to sell. Yeah. I mean, you're selling your beta. Sure. Well, I mean, maybe you're not selling it. But you are. Well, I mean, wh- I whether it's a monetary thing or not, you're selling the idea okay. of the application. That's fair. You know, MVP, um, it's, it's one of these things that, I mean, just uh, really for forever, um, most people, I feel like, misuse the term and don't understand it, probably didn't read the book. Um, and they're, you know, I, I can't, I don't even want to say, like, I'm not, I'm not going to name any names. Um, but, you know, in my work, I've run across lots of people using MVPs as a way to sell a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. And there's, there's no plan. It's not an, it's not in, it's not in any way what an MVP, the I, true idea of an MVP is. If again, going by the, if you've read the book, what's the book called? Um, not even, I forget the name. Anyway. Who wrote that book? Uh, yeah, but I mean, an MVP should come with a should, roadmap attached to it. We should at least say the name of the book. Um, gosh, anyway, I can. Is it? Was it one Eric Reese? Was it? I don't know. I don't know what book you're referring to. Reese. So it can't be helpful. Book. Yeah, it is. It is um, the Lean Startup? Lean Startup. Okay. Lean Startup. Eric Reese. Anyway, um, I think I've read parts of that. I don't think I've ever finished it. But, you know, MVP, it's, it's like DevOps and how many other these other things can we think of that people, it, they've completely bastardized the meaning. They, and, you know, <laughs> you know, you hear CEOs or analysts or all these people, you know, you know, dumbasses that have podcasts <laughs> talk about this. It's like they don't even know what they're talking about. Or and then you got companies that are t- that named their product DevOps, blah, 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 or MVP, blah, blah, blah. It's like, you, you, 
You don't well, get they, it. They you don't get it. You don't get it. I mean, that, that these buzzwords become marketing terms, and that's when they lose their meaning. Yeah. Just like smart apps have lost their meaning, how AI has now lost its meaning because now everything's AI. Every algorithm is an AI algorithm, and, and they're just marketing it as that. It's just... I know. And MVP, too. No, I mean, yeah, MVP, no, AI is another. That's a great example. AI is another one of these yeah. that has completely lost its meaning. You know, a few Excel functions or or a simple, like, linear regression or something. Now, we're, now that's AI? Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to me, I don't, I've never liked the ideas of MVPs. I've never liked the idea that I would ship some minimal version of this product. It's either A, you have enough funding and enough knowledge to develop something, in which case that's your release one. Um, or you don't, you don't have enough information or you don't have enough funding. Yeah. If you have to yeah. put something out there to get people's feedback on a product, then you don't understand the need. Mm, okay. You don't understand See, your now users. I feel like that's a misunderstanding of MVP. Why? Well, let, let me back up to what they were saying um, in this clip here, which was that was from the um, Happy Path Programming, by the way, mm-hmm. podcast. Oh, I'm so backlogged on them. Um, so that makes some good points, and I, I don't really disagree with, I think, you know, if I'm trying to be empathetic here with, with what they were saying, but I feel like they were misunderstanding a lot of things. Like um, one of them says they're, because they were they were, the the guest was a guy who he built the, um, the probably the most popular build system in the Scala space called SBT. Mm-hmm. Ironically, it stands for Simple Build Tool. I don't think, I don't think it's very simple, but yeah, I'm not a, I don't I'm not a Scala developer, but that's uh, one of the common wisecracks people make about it. Kind of like uh, um, SOAP. Yeah, <laughs> it used to stand for simple object access protocol, and then they just had to at some point say, you know, it's not, it doesn't even stand for anything anymore. It does not stand for simple. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what you know, the, one of the guys says about because they're talking about build tools and how hard it is to make a good build tool. Um, in fact, that show should be probably renamed to like "Build Tools Suck" or "We Hate Build Tools" or something. But you know, it takes it takes five years to really build an MVP of a build tool. And I think the fundamental misunderstanding in that statement is that, is it really number one, when you set out to build a build tool, you, you know what it needs to do. Mm-hmm. You know what the, market, what the market wants. It's just really hard to do it. Yeah, I, I, and I think and, and MVPs are all about testing the market. It's when you don't know exactly what needs to be built or how things need to work. And instead of risking your whole nut on some big polished thing, and then you give to customers, they're like, Oh, I mean, I see you worked very hard. It looks nice, but like it does all this stuff wrong. Well, there goes, I mean, if you don't have any money left, you don't have any runway left, you're screwed. The whole point of the MVP is to get something out there to start validating your assumptions. I mean, you know, people use the term product market fit. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that's, I'm sure that's one of the terms that is in the, is in the book, but um, people are, you know, traditionally so confident that they know exactly what, how, what, what customers are going to want, what future buyers, potential buyers of their software are going to want and how they're going to want it to work in every detail. And that arrogance has led many a company to bankruptcy and finished them. And so that's all, that's what MVP is all about. Yeah. But I think, cause you're wrong, you're going to be wrong. And if you can find out early the little ways in which you're wrong, or maybe they're bigger ways and you need to do a bigger pivot than what you ever would have expected. But if you've got runway left and you still, if you can start to find product market fit, 
I mean, that's the whole idea of an MVP. And I know, again, it's not a, it's not a, it's a not a, very much not an in vogue thing anymore. But I think it's not in vogue because people so misunderstood it and abused that term to get investment, to sell customers, to try to get engineering leaders on board or team leads or whatever. Just the whole thing. People, just like Six Sigma. Remember how much that got abused? Yeah. I mean, just to the point of, I didn't want anything to do with it anymore. I didn't want, I didn't, I don't, I don't want that on my resume. I feel like it's been so abused and so many people have done so much damage with that, with that brand mm-hmm. that I don't want to be associated with it. And I think, feel like a lot of people feel that way about an MVP. A lot of people are already feeling that way about DevOps. Well, I think these, I mean, I think you're right. I think it comes from people who are trying to take these, these terms that are, that at, at the, that point in time are in vogue and they're trying to use it to sell crap. Uh, because the reality is, if you're creating an app, chances are something already exists. So you might have a differentiating idea, but because your differentiating idea doesn't currently exist, that means it's probably really hard to do. In which case, if you're gonna if you're gonna come up with an MVP that doesn't include that really hard to do differentiator, it's not an MVP. But I feel like people are treating it like, oh, here's our MVP. It does everything that the that uh, competitor X does. And in the future, we're going to have it to do this, which is going to be really cool. But you have to buy this thing now that yeah. looks just like this other thing with no differentiator. And, and you know, the thing is, every market, you know, has different challenges like that. Um, you know, turns out that, um, you know, customers and problems and potential solutions and everything, it's all it's all complex. Um, and they'll have different kind of, what's the word I'm thinking of, like, unique challenges. And that's kind of. An example of one, like maybe there's like a space you're trying to get into, right? Where there's, mm-hmm. there's, man, there's just some piece de resistance of, of this product that this, it's got to nail, right? Like, yeah, the product has to do all these different things, but there's this one thing that has to do really well. And that's where it has to do it better than everyone else. So you can't have an MVP that doesn't have that thing. Cause that's kind of the whole, you know, if that's your, use another term, another French term, um, uh, you know, raison d'etre, right? That's mm-hmm. your, you then, then how can you have an MVP that doesn't include that yet? Right. It doesn't make any sense. Right. But but what the, you know, what MVP would say to do is, oh, sure, okay, how can you implement that thing in a way that at least shows the customers how you're going to solve it and how it would work and how yours is different, but implement it in a way that is the really the the, the most minimal way you can. So instead of having, you know, your Kubernetes and freaking Kafka backend, that's blah, 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 blah. Like, can you do it with a SQLite database real quick or something? Something that we can, we're burning as little of our, of, of our runway as possible to get that in front of the customer to say, hey, we think this is going to be great. Do you agree too? Would you pay for that? And I think it's a valid use of it. That's the, that's how an MVP would say to approach that problem yeah. in that you just described. The problem is that people are selling MVPs as products. I know. Uh, they're, they're, they're bastardizing the hell out of it. People, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I mean, making things is, is tough, isn't it? It's, it's, it's expensive. Everything's all and about marketing nowadays, too. It's all about. Everything's all about marketing nowadays, John. We've, we've learned that. Yeah. It doesn't even have to do what you say it's going to do. It doesn't matter. As long as people sign off on it, write the check, and don't see you, then you move on. You buy more ads. You you buy more influencers. You buy more analysts, and 
fake it till you make it. And you just, until, until you're so, you know, you're so successful that who can question, oh, look at your success. Who can question that? <laughs> your products must be great. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think people also underestimate um, the products that they're trying to compete against. You know, you might have a new, underestimate. Uh, yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, you, let, let's say we're going to build the next Facebook and, and we have this new differentiating idea that makes us no, a little bit let's better. Let's say than we're going to build the next Salesforce on Salesforce. Okay. Like, like, like <laughs> Benioff challenged us today. Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> well, before you can get to the point of, of building and showing off your differentiator, you have to build Salesforce first. Yeah. Which means you have to build the, the, you know, the, the architecture for the servers. You have to build the multi-tenancy. You have to build the the user security model and the thousand the things, data access and the layers. thousand things you're not thinking of. All the that, things yeah. you're not thinking of, just yes. so you can build this like one widget yep. that you think makes yourself your idea better than Salesforce. Yeah, right. And that's that's where you get into trouble when you talk about these MVPs and trying to sell an MVP as a product because your MVP should not have all that stuff in it. Um, but yet you spent all your, your initial funding on all that stuff just to say, hey, we've we've got the the, the foundation. Now we're going to iterate and build this differentiator. Mm-hmm. But to be clear, you're not supposed to sell your MVP. Like, that's not the idea. I know, but that's how I feel like it's used. And that's how I feel like uh, people treat I mean, you them. can't. It's not, that, it's not that you can't sell your MVP. Um, Look, I've, I've worked with a lot of consulting agencies that have said... We've built this thing. It seems to be a common request. Let's turn it into a product. Let's just do an MVP and and see how, what the what the market reaction is to it. And either they sell it or give it away free. Either way, that's the MVP. Yeah. I mean, and it's also it's a little bit different when um, like a, a a company has come to you and wants you to contract build a product for them. I mean, because of course you know this is what one of the things we do. Um, and I I do like the some of the principles and, and practices behind MVP, even, even for that kind of build. Because, of course, when people come to you and they're like, hey, you know, we want you to, you know, build our thing. Whether that's, you know, a, a, a mobile app that's going to go on the App Store or whether that's an integration in something or whether that's a, a Salesforce. What do you call Salesforce apps nowadays? Apps, I guess. I guess. You know, whatever, whatever it is. I think it's always a good idea to to... Because people are, again, people are very, most people that come to you, even with people with a lot of money, Mm -hmm. they're way overconfident in their idea and what they think the plan should be and what they think the solution is. So if you you can get them to dial that back a little bit and have a little humility and, and, you know, and take and get them to buy into an MVP approach, which is, okay, let's, you know, let's take some of this budget up front and and build it in, you know, in a, in a minimal way mm-hmm. to, to see if that's going to work and to learn some things. Because one thing I always try to, try to tell people is like, we're not just building your product or your project. We're building knowledge. And it starts on day one. And we're going to be building knowledge the whole time. That's going to be really useful knowledge. And the more, the longer we can delay decisions on things until we've built up some of that knowledge, like the... The, the more efficient we're going to be and the better chance we're going to have of, of success. It's, it's a risk mitigation strategy. It is, but, but I, people don't, a lot of people don't want to talk about risk. They no. don't want to acknowledge that, you know, what if, what if it, when people come to you and like, Hey, you know, we want to, you know, here's an RFP. We want to get, we want to get a quote from you on building our thing. And the first thing you say to them is like, well, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. By the way, your project has a 60% chance of filling just right out of the shoot. 
And they'd be like, what? You're not any better than that? I thought you were good. And like, no, I'm just being honest. No one wants to hear that. That's a <laughs> and, and you probably shouldn't say it exactly like I just said it, but to get people to think about risks and risk mitigation and and that maybe, you know, what the the ideas they have in their head or the or the you know, the giant five hundred page spec they've written up, maybe there's a lot of that that's not gonna that's going to have to change over time in order for them to be successful. And you know what? People who aren't willing to that uh, to think about in that way, it kind of it's. I'm not sure I want to do business that way. Uh, that's, yeah. that's that's risky to take those kind of projects on. That's that's a that's a that's a warning sign. Yeah, I was I'm searching for something because I oh yeah I didn't put it in the show notes yet. <laughs> I, 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 if if I was to say you should never outsource your MVP, what would what would your reaction to that be? I would disagree. If you don't have the talent to build it yourself, don't outsource it. No, it 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 completely can comply can apply to things that are contract built. In fact, if I had something contract built, I would I would definitely want to make sure that the whoever's building it, you know, understands these practices and principles. Whether or not they call them MVP or use the term MVP, I mean, it doesn't mm-hmm. really matter. It's not like it's not like before the that book came out that no one was doing this stuff they they were yeah and he just kind of crystallized it and gave it a name in a book yeah i mean it, it's it's such a tricky thing it's like for people that design too much up front it's it it all these are things are all related these things are all related john these are practices that people should be doing I mean, they should be, and you're trying to convince someone who has an idea that they need to follow this process. The problem is, and I've seen this even on, on some recent projects, where we built something for someone else who intended it to be a product, and when it came to uh, moving it or turning it into something viable, because they've they've started selling it because they've already gotten into the hole on it, they started selling it b- before it was an even natural product. It was still beta. It was still alpha. It was yeah, still whatever it was. Yeah, and these guys were out there selling it. And they're like, well, Obviously we need terrible. to install yeah. this and we need to put this over here. Uh, and we're like, well, uh, what the hell, dude? That's just, not what we agreed to. You just got, you're, yeah, I hear what you're saying. You just, you're, again, you've got baggage from your previous battle scars. Yeah. It's, it's, and it, 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 you're, I'm not going to disagree. They're well earned baggage. I'm, I, I totally I'm agree. And I'm, you're duff, you're not going to get me to disagree with you that people do this wrong all the time. And it's, in fact, it's, it's usually done wrong. I probably, I mean, yeah. I don't have any way to survey that to know what the numbers are, but yeah. Anyway, I did not, well, anyways, I I did not I, expect this much conversation around that one clip. Well, I don't, is there more clips? Oh yeah. And this, this okay. next one might even be worse. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll hold off on this conversation and see if we need to talk about it or not. All right. I mean, we can skip the rest of these and go on to your no, no, topics. Let's, let's I mean, we're already an hour in, so. All right. My firm opinion is configuration is code. Right. Mm-hmm. Configuration is code. It is. Yeah. Mm. When I mm-hmm. when I'm writing configuration, I'm changing the behavior of a program in a more yeah. limited fashion. When I am yeah. writing a program and I expose configuration parameters, I'm exposing a new programming language mm-hmm. for like the person operating the binary to leverage. Right? They they change the behavior. They script it. It's it's basically I'm inventing possibly a really shitty programming language for them to leverage. Yeah. Usually. Um, <laughs> So usually it's shitty, but, and this is, uh, what do you mean? Usually it's almost, it's always shitty. I know. Um, but this, you know, this is why, uh, the, all these things like, you know, config over code and no code. And it's just, it's all bullshit. 
It is. It's all bullshit. Um, if you are, you know, if you're dragging around building flows in Salesforce, that's just creating configuration metadata. You can just pull it down and look at it. And you probably should. And you probably should check it into your version control system so that you can, you know, do things well. Um, that's code. It's just, you know, what, what, what's the standard for what's code and what's not code? Yeah, I mean, at some point, you're just writing something that influences something at a different level in the stack, and it, and, and, sure. the, and of course, the lowest level is is CPU instruction set. Mm-hmm. Everything on top of that is just you're configuring the bits for the thing below it to interpret it. Right. It's it's all code. And yeah, just I think, you know, I think and, to that point, to what he was trying to describe is that, is the fact that anytime you ask for for some level of configurability, it's it's a different beast. And I think he's right. You're, you're essentially writing a new language um, for someone to, to communicate that information to whatever subsystem is, exists. Yeah. Well, so, they, these guys also rant a lot on declarative languages. Like, um, Oh, I've, I, you know, I, I've been I, around, I, I agree. I don't disagree with them at all. I mean, I mean, I've had the for the, the misfortune I'll say <laughs> of writing a lot of code or writing a lot of solutions that had a sense of configurability to it, whether it was for a package or whether it was for a client whose requirements and rules were, were fairly unstable or dynamic. And they wanted, and I'm using air quotes here, wanted the ability to kind of configure and manage that. And in order to make that simple for them, it explode, explodes the amount of work that I have to do to implement all that. Yeah, and it's yeah. a very costly thing to do. Yeah, just, I, I give you I a very, you, John, I, I took you, I knew I probably should have known you would take it down this path. I, I can take anything down that path. <laughs> I I, I've, I've been doing this for well over what, 20 years. I've got a lot of baggage. <laughs> this is, this is a John therapy session. I mean, hey, you are, at least you're, I even, I, on the as of recently, you here, you need, you need a tissue. Recently, I discovered something. Did you, did you know that when you do, uh, Describe S object on a share object, a custom share object. Okay. Uh, the uh, key prefix is null. Did not know that. Yeah. Because I was trying to dynamically allow. That sounds like a bug. I don't, it, it may be a bug, but I think the truth of the matter is that all of these custom sharing rules or they're, sharing classes are actual virtual classes virtual. sitting on top of a yeah. sharing rule uh, custom object. Yep. So they all end up having the same prefix. So I end up oh. having to hard code the prefix, okay. Okay. but it doesn't come in the, the uh, describe call. It comes up as null. And I found that which, out which, because, which, which sucks because that, of course that breaks any kind of tool. I can't that, test it. Uh, yeah. I can't dynamically write well, tests that, that do. Well, I could, but I had to hard code that thing. But anyways, I went down the road of trying to make this configurable so that you could at least just go into a metadata and say, um, I know all these rules, but apply sharing rules to these particular objects and let you, you know, turn or turn, turn on or turn off those objects. It just turned into this huge nightmare where I was going to, I saw the path ahead of me. It would have taken months. And I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to say no to that. I'm going to go back to hard coding it because it's going to be faster for me to recode a new object that you want than it is for me to make that dynamically configurable. Yeah. Sorry. It's all code. Your low code thing is all code. I'm trying to be quiet. Yep. All right. Uh, Let's see. Do I want to do this one? Yes. Yeah, I guess. I'll, it's just, it's one of them. But you've had your rants. Here's one of my rants. Here we go. All Gartner magic punches. They never want. Okay. So this is hard for understand what he's saying. Yeah, I was going to. All Gartner magic quadrants. Okay. All right. 
all Gardner Magic Punchers, they never want to have a true leader. So they place Datadog and Dynatrace like so close together. It's like, well, one is a little bit higher on completeness of vision and one is higher on uh, execution. Okay. So why doesn't Gartner, why don't they want a, a, a runaway leader in any of their quadrants? Mm, I would say it's because uh, they want each to pay for the right to be on top. <laughs> Where's my bell? I mean, my bell, John. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Um, it's the same reason why, it, you know, and again, this is a very American-centric th- thing, but um, all the, you know, the... the media news outlets and newspapers and everything um they they want those republicans and democrats pretty equally split it's best for business mm-hmm. you don't want you don't want a runaway winner right all right um I, th- these last few are just f- clips i'm going to put on the soundboard but I thought we'd share them. Okay. Everything's awesome when you're making lots of money. <laughs> uh, here's a good one. See if you recognize this guy. Salesforce is slow as hell. <laughs> I don't know who that is. <laughs> I don't either. All right. And this is this is a, a good good take on a, a good old a good old uh, term we we've, we've heard before. We're not a Democrat company or a Republican company. <laughs> you know that was. Uh, I don't know, but he was quoting Benioff. No, he wasn't. That's the sad thing. It was uh, that was Mark Zuckerberg. No, you remember Benioff? I'm not a Democrat or a Republican. I know, I know. I yeah, yeah. I, I remember that, John. Um, but I don't think he was. I don't think he knows anything about. It. I don't think he was recording quoting that. No. I I just thought he looked it up in his mind database. Pulled it out. I'm not a Democrat or a Republican. I'm an American. <laughs> America. Yep. <laughs> uh, all right, John. Well, that, those are my clips for today. Well, we can start wrapping it up. I have, I have some. We didn't get to any a single one. Of your you, it's already been like an hour and a half. So, all right. I can save them. They're all, they're all weird stuff. I mean, I do, I do want to talk and push some things, but some things are like you know, carbon. Um, AWS is what? Wait, what chips. is carbon? It's a new it's a language? Google language. Oh. Yeah, that they're hoping to replace uh, C plus plus with. I thought we were trying to replace carbon. Yeah, we're trying to take all the carbon from the atmosphere and put it into the code. <laughs> okay. That's how we're going to do it. Uh, Trees and code. That's how, that's how you save the environment. All right. Well. I'm not passionate about anything, plus I'm tired. Yeah. Okay. I'm, you had me on a few rants, and uh, I'm all jawed out. So I noticed there were already, there's already talks about maybe some kind of meetup at Dreamforce. So that'd be great if someone could just step up and organize that. I really don't. I don't want to. <laughs> like, check, you know, check with me the, on the time or whatever. But, like, I, I don't want to organize it. So if someone could organize that, that'd be nice. you have any requests for the uh, Good Day, Sir Army, John? For what? For the organizing? No, just anything. That was my request. No. I mean, I, I the, the best part of Good Day, Sir, is the, is the Slack community. So, Keep sharing that. Keep inviting people it's not to a, it. No, 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 no. I have to correct you. Okay. It's the community. It's this. It's the Good Day Sir community. What did I say? We just happen to use Slack currently. Currently? Yeah. Could change. <laughs> I'm just saying. It's not about Slack. It's not about technologies or tools. Hmm. It's about the community. 
you know, could move to Discord someday or whatever. Uh, a mailing list. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Everyone's in handwritten letters. <laughs> yes. Uh, Morse code. Ch- no, chain chain letter. Remember the chain letters? Is that what they were called? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's go back to... Speaking of mailing things, we can mail stickers. And we have a lot of stickers to mail. And I would like to get a batch out. So uh, if you want your stickers in the next batch, uh, send us an email. Info at gooddaysirpodcast.com. And uh, include your your address, your where you want these shipped, and how many you want. Uh, don't, don't be shy. don't be shy. Yeah, please Ask don't. For 10, 20, 30. Well, I can I can I can fit like I forget what the number is. It's ten or twenty. So if you have like a ask, ask, minimum quantity is ten. Since Jeremy wants no, to no, get that's them not out. minimum. I would say minimum is like. <laughs> I mean, really, if you just want one, that's fine. But you know, I would say vandalize two. your neighborhood. Yeah, you gotta you know, have a, have to have at least a few for vandalism purposes yeah. and. Um, you know what I, I kind of wanted to do before we wrap up? Maybe this is part of wrapping up. Um, let's do a quick rundown of the jobs board from the Good Day Sir uh, community, which currently uses Slack. <laughs> uh, Capital One. So Dennis Morris posts this. Uh, Capital One's hiring senior managers, managers, engineers. This is, uh, uh, yeah, Salesforce stuff. Uh, I hear they're a pretty big company. Might want to check them out. Let's see. Uh, Boston Dynamics hiring a Salesforce business systems analyst. Big uh, big robotics company. The one that's going to build those crazy robot dogs that are going to own us all one day. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Max is hiring a Salesforce developer at Fionta. Fionta? Are they a consulting company? See, we even let our competitors post in here, John. We don't care. Yeah. More the more the better. Uh, Michael Wilburn, this is, goes back a little bit. They were hiring at, uh, at Twitch. So, I don't know. Check it out. Check out the jobs board. I will. Um, other than that, yeah. Um, if you are not in our Slack, dear listener, uh, you, you probably should come join us. We You do that at www.gooddaysirpodcast.com, and you click on Community. And you can get added, or anyone that's already in can add you, because we see those requests come through all the time. It's a bit odd. Is that a Slack thing, or is that some custom thing you built that does that? No, that's, that's Slack. Slack? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Subscribe in your podcast catcher of choice. That's all I got, John. Share us. And to that, I said, good day, sir. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. Subscribe to us on Apple and Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.